Bro, it's been too long, first of all. Yes. Like too long. I'm actually a little mad at you. Just a little bit. I'll be honest. Like there's a little, there's a little resentment going on right now. I stay all the way up. I, I know, like I, I know. Wow, from here. And and I and and it's selfish. It's I'm straight up. It's a selfish thing because I, I think we all kind of do it. We all say like, you know, man, why ain't he coming around? Why ain't he seen me? Why ain't he been to the gym? And we make it about ourselves. And that's something that like, as we mature and we grow, we we. You know, you have to analyze it and say, man, the guy has a family. He's got a business. He's, you got your own stuff going on. Like, and I know that, but I want you to know that I miss you and your presence is missed. Um, we love Jules and I, you know, just miss seeing y'all. Y'all were such a staple. You know, it was like you get used to the routine of, you know, y'all are just a part of the, part of the everyday legacy. Like that's really, it, I mean, what six years six years seven years it seven was years. seven years so you know uh anyways i just want to start off saying <laughs> you're missed and and uh so what do you think about the new the new place it's amazing Thank you. it's it's an amazing place man just just seeing where you came from and where you are now just it, it gave me gave me a little moment like damn like he's here and like he had it all like with hard work and dedication, now you see where now you see where it got you, and you stuck to the process. And just seeing what the process got you is like, damn, man, it's a blessing. It's you a remember blessing. me talking about it, right? Oh, like, always. I, yeah. I knew you talked about it. It was days you screamed about it, you yelled about it, you fought <laughs> about it, but it was a reason at the time it didn't seem that way. Yeah. But now that I get to walk around this gym and, and get a feel of it and see how it was created and the way your 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 image came into came into reality. It's amazing to see it, man. Thank I promise, you. man. It is amazing to see. Even Jewel, Jewel said she want to get down here, but she had to stay up with uh, Ryan, make yeah. sure he he get back home. From school. How's Ryan? Ryan's good. He's seven years old. Just oh turned my seven. Gosh, April. He's seven. Seven years old. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like and time literally flies. And I remember that old video because I was at his two year old birthday party. Right. Yeah. Right down the street. I remember, I, that I seems like yesterday. Like, yeah, I remember seeing the video when you gave him a shirt and Jules were holding him. Yeah, and you took a picture from him back. I said. Damn boy, it's been a damn long time. Wow. At a blink class, so many years pass. Yep. Um, so I wanna start and I want you to like, I just want you to be like as as honest as possible. I want you to take it back to the warehouse <laughs> and give me a little bit of your first because we probably came to blows many times. Oh, oh man. <laughs> and I want people to kind of cause you know, I've I've evolved and I'm not, you know, I don't really train that much anymore. Now I'm running companies and stuff, but I think it's important sometimes to go back and kind of see, you know, how, what, what you did to get you where you are today. And I miss training and I miss, I miss uh, working with, with high level athletes like yourself. And um, I would love to hear it from your perspective of like, you know, we haven't probably openly talked about it cause it was, it was coach, trainer, player, for those seven years and that's very it's a relationship that that you don't really mess with like it, it you know like you take you take my direction and you work your ass off and then you go play and then it's like it's a very kind of like a uh, business relationship almost right. even though you you start to care about the person you start to like really really want to see you successful and you pay attention and and i was somebody that i don't know because of my personality and because of how intense I was, I don't know if y'all knew how much I cared, 
but like I really cared, like really cared. And so I just, I would love for you to take us back a little bit and just from like your viewpoint, like tell me some, some of the crazy things that went on in your head, like some of the crazy stories, if you have any, you know, that you can think of, cause I know there was plenty, but um, I don't know, just share, share some of it. Man, I remember the days just getting up seven o'clock every morning, just being in the gym and hearing the music blasting. Soon as you pull up and you pull right inside the gate, you hear the music, you see the doors open, you see both of the dogs, love them. And you see everybody in there, you see train, you just see Manny just sitting there waiting on your ass like, what time it is, it's seven o'clock, you late. Damn, I didn't know you late when you're on time. But it was, it was just days you came in there like, you didn't come in there like, all right, man, this is this is a LA fitness, so this is a 24 hour fitness. It was just like, you better get your goddamn mind right coming in here. And it, it, it set my mentality at first, I was more nonchalant about it. I'm like, man, this man crazy, dude. Why the hell is he yelling? Why he going off the wall like this? He's, he's fussing. But in the later later years, I understood that. But just walking in that gym, and I think at the time, it wasn't it wasn't the other side yet. You only had just this side. And I'll just be in my head like, what the fuck he could possibly do with just this area? Hated a med ball, hated that sled, hated being inside there, shutting off an AC, and just going at it back and forth. And you just got somebody at your damn ear. You like, bro, he gotta get the fuck out of my ear. But it it it, it made something out of us long in long term. Even having BA, having Julius Peppers, having so many other different dudes. We was in there training, but we also competed against each other. We always looked at each other with deadlift, bench, whatever. We just wanted to compete to see where we was. But that gym alone just had so many different you had to come in there, right? You had you had to be there to understand what type of gym that was. It's not like no like no other gym. Having this guy on your damn on your ass all day, every day, but just knowing you loved us and we needed that type of love. Then we we think we didn't, but we really actually did, and it bothered us. But we also loved it. Even I hear Jules talk about it. She's like, I needed him, even though we hated to hear your voice <laughs> or hated to go to be like, man, we got to go to work out today. Don't be a minute late. Don't even try to miss a day. Hey, you paid for this day. Where the hell are you? I got this block series. I'm like, bro, this, this, this man don't understand it. Like, just chill for a fucking day. Just even having days in there with me and BA, if we had a workout partner. So I always used to have BA. When BA wouldn't show up and he would come in that shit late and I'll be almost 20 minutes into the workout. We starting this shit back. I'm like, oh, hell no, he ain't. I, <laughs> I know he that. ain't. Then you one day, the death look. <laughs> then, then the one day, I think we had, I think they didn't show up until later. And I was pushing the sled. Manny was putting up the fucking hundreds. Anybody who ever lived through this in any legacy fit gym, he put so many hundreds on here. Yo, you got to push this sled down and back with a clock. I hated that clock that was on this wall with a clock. And then you had legacy next to you. He was always pushing you to make sure you got down and back and Manny just out of nowhere. What the hell you doing, BA? We starting this shit back. I was like, ain't no way in hell, boy. We just starting today. He had this one medicine ball. I swear I thought it was heavy. He told us we gotta start back up. I like, I ain't doing it. He came this close to me in my face. Ricky, you gonna do it. You gonna work it. I picked that 100 pound medicine ball up and threw it at his ass. And he was like, do it again. I was like, well, I gotta find something else again to throw at his ass. And it was just like, yo, this man tripping. But it it made us be held accountable. It made everybody around each other. I look at BA like, yo, bro, we gonna fight. If I gotta come back in this gym again and this man make me start over any workout, we gonna fight. Even on days being on that damn treadmill, uh, like Rick, you gotta run this. I'm like, I'm a D lineman, bro. I only gonna run like 
50 yards at max, <laughs> but you on, you on this shit running full sprints and dynamic mode, sweating, tears, everything. I used to hate this dude. I'd be like, yo, you gonna make me do all this running? Now you get your ass under this weight. You do the bench, you do the squat, you do all the shit that I'm doing. And then I understand that when he did that, no other trainer really did it. No matter who else I worked out with, they would talk a good game, but if you gonna tell me to do this, you actually gotta come do this with me. Even been on the fan bike, you looking over at the fan bike, you looking at the RPM, all right, cool, he only did this much, I'ma do more than his ass. Then just seeing you going back and forth, it was like, it was it was an environment that couldn't be recreated again, like in that space and, and it was needed. For those seven years, it was always needed every day. You walked in there, it made me change my mindset. When I went to sleep, I said, I gotta go to sleep with a positive attitude because there's no way I'm going to get up the next morning and be able to work out with this dude. And my mind is, man, this is going on, this is going on. It made me understand like on a football field, when you finally come into the football building, the world doesn't exist no more. The wife doesn't exist, the kids doesn't exist, your problem doesn't exist, now you in this football facility. It felt just like that every day in that goddamn warehouse. You walk in there, you hear the music jamming, you 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 seeing people working out, people might be looking at you crazy. We coming out of show, I forgot it was one plot thing named Daryl Sharpton. Oh God. Oh man, bro. If Sharpton, you, he was the, the biggest sweater, like that guy sweat. Oh. I've never seen somebody sweat that much in my life, like buckets of sweat. Just and he was a dog, bro. That was, guy would do anything I told him to do. He was deranged. Like I was like, bro, I like we couldn't work out with him. That's why he started coming out early. Me and BA <laughs> was like, bro, nah, you can have it. Yeah, you, you can you you can go, but it it, it attracted high level. I mean, high level athletes. When I saw Julius Pepper, one dude who I looked up to since I was a kid, when he went to UNC, when he played for the Carolina Panthers, everything, and I'm like, yo, I'm in the gym with Julius Pepper. Okay, cool. I'm compete this against this dude. I want to see how fast it. I want to see if I'm stronger than him. I'm doing this. You talking about a dude that'll probably you're taking ten steps. This dude probably take three and catch you. And we we had to do always had to do suicides up and down that damn thing. And I'm like, though, how's this dude can run this damn fast? It don't even look like it. You knew you had a hell of a workout when the days I used to call it first forty eight. If your ass is on that ground, <laughs> the ground was the most comfortable ground you ever felt. I don't care if it was asphalt, turf, whatever, dog. We would just lay there and be like, yo, you done for the day. And you probably, you worked out at seven in the morning, probably to nine, and you'd be like, bro, you don't want to do nothing for the rest of the day. And you know you had to get up the next morning to deal with his ass and figure out what the workout was going to possibly be. You would pray for days. I know every athlete went through this. You would pray for a day not to see his ass. Be like, yo, he ain't here today? Okay, cool, I'ma work out with you. I'ma work out with you. You can't do what he do, so I don't even give a damn. But it, it set a standard when I went to other gym and he be like, bro, you need to rest. Like, bro, I said, it been past a minute. How long you gotta rest? And I'm like, bro, this man only let us rest for like 30 to 45 seconds. And you talking about you better learn how to breathe real damn quickly. You talking about humid days when the summer come up? This this is beautiful. But going inside of a place that was humid is hell, bro. You looking at the thermostat, the shit can only go up to what? Thing of like 95, and it's really like almost a hundred or something degrees in here. Remember, it used to say hot. Hot, that's it. That's all <laughs> it, it would say. It wouldn't even say a number. It wouldn't even say a number. It shit just say hot, and you'd be like, Bro, you gotta get you. You really gotta put yourself in a certain mindset when you went in there. Legacy Fit was a lifestyle. It was a mindset. It was an environment. You came in. I remember. I'm gonna say his name anyway. Antonio Brown came in there one day, and I was like, "Okay, cool. I want to really say is he this type of athlete that he is? I ain't even work out that." Day. I said, "Let me go ahead and see what he about." <laughs> went in there, man. He worked the shit out of him. He was like, "Oh man, 
He was like, bro, did we done? Nah, bro, that's just a warm up. I was like, bro, you, you, ain't even get, you ain't even get into his damn workout. And when he did that, I was like, okay, bum, next day, where you at? Oh, nah, he ain't in here. Every athlete I done seen came in there just for one day to work out. I was like, bro, you can't come in here like it's, it's another gym. You can't come in here like it's a, a 24 LA, whatever other gym it was. You couldn't come in here and do this one day. If you wasn't part of it, you wasn't literally dedicated to this shit. It was no possible way you was coming back in there. Jarvis Landry, LSU guy, love him to death. He came in there, didn't see him again. <laughs> Every dude who I saw came in that gym and it wasn't because we ran you off. It was like, if you really said you was about working out, you really loved this, we're going to test your, we're going to test your dedication to this. We're going to really see how fast you are. We're going to really see how many shuttles you can run. We're going to really see how much weight you can move. And it wasn't about trying to kill people. It was like, yo, this man is going to make you Tap is like when I was with the New England Patriots, at first I hated Belichick. I was like, yo, I don't understand what this dude do, why he's doing this. And as time went on, I was like, I get it now. I understand it. Now when I came back to Manny, I was like, okay, I get these dudes now. He's similar, they have a certain similar thought process. So I was like, I get it now. But when I saw dudes coming here, I'd be like, bro, this your first time here? Yeah. Oh, nah, you ain't gonna be here no more. How hard it is, don't worry about how hard it is. Just see can't you last this whole workout. And when I saw dudes leave, I was like, I know, I know I'm in a good place. I know I'm where I need to be because it was just like, bro, you came in there. He was going to, he was going to see where your end was. He was going to make you tap that. He was going to get to the other end of you to see where you at. And it usually used to break us sometimes. In the beginning, he broke me. I was just like, I hate him. Like, I don't want to go to him. Send me to another gym. Like, I call my agent. Yo, bro, where another gym at? I don't want to be around him no more. Nah, he's good. I heard about him. I'm like, yo, you. You heard of him. You haven't been in there with him. And then you having him on your head, like you having him in your ear. And it wasn't bad, it was just like, yo, I want the best out of you. And you can hear somebody say you want the best out of you, but when I actually seen you want the best out of it, it was just like, damn, like, bro, like, he's gonna make me hit a wall. Fuck hitting the wall. He broke, you broke the wall. Then you found another wall that you had to go to. So it got to a point like when people don't understand when your muscles just feel like, they wanted to die out. I wanted to get to that point to see, I don't care, I'm gonna keep going. I wanna see how far I can get. I wanna see, can I can I get past this wall, that wall, this wall, that wall? And if life was if life was every bit of what he did to us, it was like, yo, once I left his gym at nine o'clock, it was like, bro, I don't care what the world got for me. Whatever the world wanna do, throw it at me, do what you need. I already went through the hardest shit. I already been inside his gym. I already got yelled at, fussed at, me and him going back and forward. I ain't doing it. You gonna do it. I ain't doing it. Rick, you, and, and, and just those days when you be like, bro, I know I got three sets left. Hey man, I got three, nah, you got four. No the hell I don't. And just going back and forth, but it wasn't never like a personal thing. It was just like, I want you to be the best. Like I want you to. And like I said, at the time we didn't understand it, but when we got on that football field and you seen dudes compete and stuff, and they couldn't get on our level. They couldn't withstand what we went through. It's the reason why I played in the league for so damn long, because I had that mindset like, this era, nothing against them, I'm not knocking them. I hope they play just as long as me, but what I had to go through to get the years I got, I can come back in and say, really, I thank you. I thank you for the process you put me through. I hated the process. <laughs> what you, you, you screamed that shit, bro, it's a process. Like, no, it ain't, it, we gotta skip something. It's something we gotta leave alone. It's something we gotta do. But during it, we built the relationship, like a love and hate relationship. And I understood it and I had to respect it. Like, I was like, bro, he, he, he put me through this for a reason. 
if you wasn't mentally strong coming in there, you had to be mentally strong when we left. And so many years we didn't been in that gym, and I know people made Legacy Fit a lifestyle. Is nobody can tell me if you went through it that warehouse, you didn't build, you didn't have a certain mindset when you went outside the door. And some people made it say like it was harsh, it was tough. It wasn't that, it was just life because life didn't give a damn about you, it yeah. kick you over. You always told us that like, yo man, life's gonna get you the way it wants to. It ain't gonna hold your hand, it's really gonna knock you over and see if you gonna get back up. And it was many days I was just like, yo, I looked at that turf, like yo, give me a sign, let a bird come through this shit, let legacy bark something to tell me like, yo, I don't wanna be in here no more. And it was days when you seen people just walk out of the gym throwing up and it'd be like, yo, this man got people tapping out. This man got people working. And it was just always funny watching people come in that gym and they'd be like, mm, nice, nice shoes, nice shorts, nice shirt. You ain't gonna be in it when you walk out of it. You talking <laughs> about people drink. People used to walk, literally, it was a door right on this main street. They would walk out, walk on the other side and throw up. And you would see Manny walk back outside. You done? All right, cool. We got another set. We got another two sets. You be like, hey, Manny, you finna make this. No, I want his ass to be great. I'm like, yo. And they'd be like, y'all, this is what you guys go through? I'm like, hell yeah, this is what the hell we go through with this dude. But it was to make us great. And if you needed to know what greatness felt like or being great, I seen it. I ain't saying that shit easy, but I, I seen those days and it was just like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm tired of this damn man. When it was time to go to camp, dudes used to dread going to camp. I'd be like, yo, man, what day we got to be? I'm going to leave this bitch a week early. I'm, I'm going to leave here for earlier, and then I'm going to go there and just to stay away from him. And then when you go back to your conditioning coach, your strength conditioning coach, we're going to do this and this and this. Oh, all right, cool. That's that's great with me. That that's, I'll do that all day. Like, Rick, why you going to get tired? Why you going to do this, bro? If you knew what I went through for the last <laughs> offseason, believe me. You wouldn't want to be in this place. You wouldn't be in this location. But that warehouse, that that warehouse, broke me, remolded me, and made me who I am today. And now I'm. I can be a father. I can be a husband. I can. I can be so many different things. And people saying, "Man, life is hard." No, it ain't, bro. I'm guaranteeing you. You hearing this dude in here talking? You running? He's like, "This man want to tell me a damn motivation speech." I don't want to hear no damn speech right now. But it made sense once we walked out of the gym. Like, damn, he did say this. He did say fatigue can make a coward out of you. And it was just like, yo, you fight fatigue every day in your muscles and your mind and mental, spiritually, every damn thing. But like I said, once you once you got past that warehouse and you started your day, you couldn't tell me you couldn't feel great. You couldn't tell me. You couldn't tell me that gym didn't mold a lot of people, it didn't make a lot of individuals. And if you and if you and if it did break you, it was for only good reasons. It needed you needed to really look who was in the mirror and see like, yo, this really who you is. Mm. You quit today. Every and I remember hearing you say, whatever you do in this gym, it's what you're gonna do outside that door. And I'm like, but no, nah, I don't quit outside. And when you when I finally when you finally when I took that reality check, it's like, damn, he ain't lying. What are we gonna do inside this gym? It's what's gonna happen outside this door. So I can't quit. I gotta keep going. No matter if I'm a knee on the floor, I gotta get back up and do the next rep. I gotta finish it. And just hearing you like, bro, you cheating your, if you cheating yourself, I mean, you cheating the rep, you cheating yourself. And it's like, damn, why this bitch gotta make a point right now? Like, don't make a point. Don't even say anything. Like, let me go. And it was to the point when days you would just walk off and they'd be like, boy, I know I can buck this. And it's like, you all you hear is that voice. You hear his, the, that other voice you have in your head is him. It's like, you gonna really buck it? You gonna really do that? You only cheating yourself. You only gonna make this. It's like somebody taking food out of your, your kid's mouth. It's like somebody taking money out of your pocket. You really gonna cheat and they be like, mm. you really look talking to yourself like, God, 
Damn, bro. You line up, you do it again, you sprint it, you push that sled, you lift weights, you got on that treadmill, you did the up and downs, you did shuttles, whatever it was, we did it. Don't matter if you stood there and it was like, this man really must trust me for him to walk his ass off and knowing I'm dead tired, that he really think I'm running this sprint again and look at that damn clock. And you did because you already knew what you programmed in us. You yeah. already knew, you already set in stone, you chiseled in our head, you ain't gonna cheat it, I ain't gonna worry about it. Hey, what you said you wanna do? While somebody, while I'm running up and down, up and down that damn floor and it's like, yo, he really trusts us. So it didn't matter, it was just like, when you came in the next day, yo, what is this man gonna make us do? And it wasn't even that no more, it was like, yo, whatever he's gonna make me do, I'ma shatter that shit, I'ma beat it, I'ma make some way, somehow, he's not going to see me break, he's not going to make me quit. And then afterwards, you're gonna be on the floor trying to breathe, trying to figure out what, what what's going on today. But that gym made so many memories. That that gym made me the athlete I am, and the and the husband I am, the father I am, the businessman I am. It it, it done a lot for me. And I and like I said, I can come back and actually say thank you for what you did for us. That was a nice uh, recap. <laughs> um, so let's. Uh, I want to. Uh, so I want to go back a little bit. Uh, to just where you started, because I honestly like don't know really your your like start of your career. Um, so like, where did you play high school ball at? Miami Carroll City Senior High with Coach Carroll Ray. City. Yeah, all four years I went there. Won a state championship in 2003. Shout out to all the fellas. Uh, played there for four years, all American, everything. Went to LSU, did four years there. Won a national championship, defense MVP. Then went off. Who was the coach at LSU when you were there? Les Miles. Les Miles. I, I, I just missed Nick. I just missed Nick Saban. Oh, okay. But I had a good coach. I had Carl Dunbar, who's at I think Pittsburgh, if I'm not mistaken. Bo Pelini, Jimbo Fisher. I had so many different. So co Jimbo, Jimbo coached me too. Oh, for yeah. real? Yeah. Jimbo Fisher. Yep. Wow. Yep. He was wild too. Oh, <laughs> bro, he's still the same. At Texas Is he? <laughs> he's still the same and it, consistent. You gonna give him? Gonna get that so red Jim, man? Jimbo was my graduate assistant. At, at Auburn. So that shows my age, but. <laughs> and then he coached you at LSU and now he's the head coach at Texas A&M, yeah, right? Texas yeah, He was he, a great coach. He was. But he was maniac. Oh, like, that was him. Maniac. You pull that red man out, put that stuff in there. <laughs> yeah. God damn you stupid donkey. I'm like, but loved him, loved him also. Then went into the NFL and played for so many, so many great years that had so many uh, great memories. Being so you there. were with uh, the 49ers. Got drafted to the 497 round. Then I went to the Colts. Then I went to the Redskins, Green Bay, New England, and Detroit Lions. Wow. I've been around the league. Believe and you were in the league for 11 years? 10 years. 10 years. 10 years. And out of those 10 years, like, is there any, is there any, I mean, I know you went to some Super Bowls and stuff, but, but even that, like, was there any like defining moment for you in the NFL that like, that you can just kind of pinpoint and say, wow, this is one of my best memories? My best memory was, I forgot his name, he's on ESPN. He, he, got a, he got a cliche, he'll be like, whoops, forgot his name, he's on ESPN. He came to our facility one time and he was like, yo, you guys done went through the, the, the draft process, you went through the combine, you went through everything. You guys never took a chance to sit here and really admire what you have accomplished. We played San Francisco Candlestick, we played the New Orleans Saints, and they was, they was coming in red hot, and we had to beat them to go on to play the uh, Giants. And for one minute, it's a picture of me, I have it, I got it. It's a picture of me, I held the San Francisco 49ers uh, flag, and I was walking to the middle of the field, game over with. I actually stood there for a second, I was like, 
Damn, he was right. Uh, Trey Wingo? That's his name. Okay, yeah. Trey Wingo yeah. came in. He said that. And I sat in the middle of the field with a flag, sitting on my shoulder, got the picture of it. And I looked up and I was like, damn, I really accomplished this. Like, we really don't take time out to realize what we accomplished. We're going, 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 practicing, doing this, meeting, media, everything. And at that given moment, it made me realize, like, damn, like, bro, you really achieved being in the NFL. I think yeah. that was my, like, third gen in the NFL, but I needed somebody to... To, to tell me that. Another one was when I was with the New England Patriots and we used to, I used to always take it for granted running out that tunnel, running out that balloon. But some one day said, yo, pay attention to you running out this tunnel. Pay attention to when you run out this sea of blue you finna see, all these crazy Patriot fans, everything. The the cold weather, you think people have seen cold, bro, negative nine is nothing <laughs> to joke with. And we're running out of the tunnel you see the smoke, it look like a Madden game to you. You got smoke blowing out your mouth, you got the fans, you got the uh, you got the mascot running, and I'm running, I'm like, oh shit, like we, like I'm, we, we a moment said like, yo, you play, you playing football, you playing the kids game, but you're just on the NFL level and you're somewhere that, New England made me appreciate the game. Okay. Like going through what I had to go through with Belichick and all of them, he made me appreciate well, the, Was uh, New England like the toughest place you've ever played at? Bro, I'm talking <laughs> about, man, you talking about, I, I, one thing I can say and everybody can vouch for me during my era who played, not many people wanted to play in New England. You hated to play in New England. I didn't understand why until I got there. First day of practice, he putting us on these damn, these uh, knee braces, hated it. Never practiced with knee braces, knee braces, I'm 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 in the game. He's like, hey yo, you going on scout team? I'm like, going on scout team, and I'm I'm in nine years in. What you talking about? Dudes are like, nah, you finna go to scout team. We going to scout team. You talking about his lineman is Tom Brady lineman is firing off, and I'm like, yo, I'm like, okay, they gonna this do is a, practice like this <laughs> practice like they're firing. Off. Oh, okay, all right, I got it. You talking about a double team? You hearing their coach back there telling you to drop, dig him out the ground and move him. We done, I'm like, okay, cool. 15 plays, we good. Hey, Rick, you gotta go down there on defense. I had to run from one side of the field to the other. We going on defense. Scout team players, oh no, they get scout team player of the week. They firing off just as well. I'm like, yo, like where's the downtime for this? And it was just like, soon as they blow the whistle, next you know they go to the next period. Now it's two minutes and I'm like, oh man, this should be easy. It's the reason why Tom Brady has many Super Bowls he has. Two minutes, you couldn't beat him. Four minutes, you couldn't beat him. You know how to master the game. But just being there is like, you're trying to physically catch up with them. Okay. My physicality wasn't, like when they said you gotta build callus, he made you build that. Like yeah. I had my physicality had to catch up with them. My mental had to catch up with them. And after the first two, three days, you can ask Jaleesa. I was like, yo, hey baby, I think it's time to call it a day. She like, you only been on there for three. I said, I wanna leave. Like, I don't wanna be here anymore. Like this place is, I don't know who wants to, go through this type of like wow. this type of thing and and at the end of practice he's always called some called the bank i'm like okay what a bank at? like what is the hell of the bank this man had two hills one was elevated higher for linemen the other one had like a different slope for dudes we had to run it five times you ever hear a coach say a low number you already know we finna run it bro we just going we just keep going i'm like yo like that's at the end of practice yes now, mind you, before in the practice, you knew in a two-minute drill with this guy in the back here, number 12, doing it. And then he'll do two minutes going down, flip the ball, two minutes going back that way. Now we gotta go finish practice, we gotta do the bank. But when we got but when we got um in a game, that second half, it wasn't a mental thing. You knew your body had hit a switch. They're gonna die out. There's no way they're gonna play right. with you in the second half. So that's why 
that's why New England always outlasted people, right? It's just because of the culture and the way that y'all practice. Bro, they, 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 they coach it with something. Everybody, what Belichick is not, I don't know, he might ease up, but then I understood why guys wouldn't play in his system. If you got traded there, if you look back in the ESPN, it will play if they got traded there, be like, yo, I quit. Like, I don't, not even walk in Boston. They're right. like, yo, I'm not coming to his to his system. What do you think, um, what do you think the, is the determining factor of, uh, of why Tom Brady was so great? His dedication. Like, he was, he was just like, he knew the game. Like, him and Belichick, you have a defense mastermind, you have an offense mastermind. These dudes, these dudes actually, they're slick competing against each other doing practice. Don't let the script fool you because he'll go, either one of them will go off of it just to see if, 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 if you're on point. And they used to go back and forth. You see Belichick walk around, he got a smirk on his face. You see Tom walk around, he'll wink at him. Like, and it, it was just like a back and forth thing. But when they got into a game, people didn't understand the details of their details of him. Mm -hmm. He knew how to beat you. Like, we'll be in the meeting room, you see Belichick. Belichick, the first meeting of the day, dude would go through offense, defense, special teams. You had to literally know this whole organization from the time it began to the owners to the personnel who became philosophers. Like, you literally knew their whole team. And it was like, yo, once you got out of his meeting, I was like, yo, why are we going to individual meeting for? This man already told me right. everything. Like, once you go into the game, the game slowed down. The one thing he always told me, he said, Rick, you know the, you know the most difficult thing for a human to do? Do their job. I was like, but nah, coach, you can go to, no, stay in the B gap. But I can, no, no, all I need, Rick, That was do. like y'all's slogan too, right? It do was your do job. your, your job, job. That's right? it. Like and us, it's no days off. Theirs was do your, your job. job. Yeah. That's it. And I used to be yeah. like, but coach, you know, I can make this. Okay, I know you can make it, but I don't want you to do it. Yeah. He said, Ricky, you know the hardest thing for guys to do? They just want to do their job. And anybody who will move out of place and do anything else, you saw it. He was like, damn, he for real. Like, you got to do your job. Like, everybody in the position, he put you in position to make the players up to you. Right. But when it came to Tom, Tom was the same way. Tom, like, they saying, it takes assholes to win championships. It does. <laughs> like, literally, I understand people say you used to hate Michael Jordan. You hated Tom Brady at a certain given time. You hated them because they wanted perfection. They knew right. they knew if they put you in a position, all you had to do was make the play. And I understand why dudes were so great, had people that didn't like them. But it's funny how you liked them when you was always holding up the championship. Right. It was it was always funny, NBA championship, NHL championship, whatever. You always heard the greatest dudes always became assholes. But when they held championships up, yeah, you nobody's complain. saying that. Yeah, like nobody complained, but it was just like And then I, Go no, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Uh, well, it just sparked because you were talking about like a lot of talented people. And if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but like your San Francisco team was probably one of the most talented teams oh. that you played for, right? Back like, cause I, I just, it just kind of like came in my mind. What was that like? Like that defense was like oh, ridiculous. Man. It was like, up front was ridiculous. You had Ray McDonald, you had uh, Ahmad Bradshaw. Who was it? No, um, I mean, Brooks, I forgot his name. You had both of the Smith, Justin Smith, yeah. you had Alden Smith. People don't understand, Alden Smith was the, before you had a Von Miller, before you had an Aaron Donald, before you had all these successful pass rushers, you had a dude that would go in the game and dominate. The man had four sacks, two forced fumbles, right. interception, they'd be like, yo, this is ridiculous. On the back end, you had Deshaun Ghoston, you had, uh, who else, Dante Whitner, even though they called him Hitner. You had Coin, you had both Carlos Rogers, you had uh, I think Brown, forgot what his first name is. And the crazy part was the depth behind it was even just even right. better. 
Offense was ridiculous. You had Michael Crabtree, you had Mario Manningham, you had Randy Moss, you had Delaney Walker, you had uh, Vernon Davis. Backfield, you had the great Frank Gore, you had Colin Kaepernick, you had Alex, I mean, Alex Smith. The depth was so ridiculous. Like, if you handed somebody our roster, you're like, bro, there's no way you can yeah, beat us. Like, I remember it. Those like, linebackers were ridiculous. Oh, man, you had... You had Larry Grant, you had Navarro Bowman, you had Patrick Willis, you had linebackers that can run four three. Yeah, behind you as a D lineman, you was happy. You were like, bro, you ain't gonna double team me. You double team me. <laughs> you seeing a number flying off your coming off that double team, yep. and he was there. Like that was the most. Then that was the most polished thing we had. Only thing that killed us, we couldn't just get over the hump of winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's why. Like people, only way people would know that you had to be a real football fan to know that team. If we would have won, I think that probably could have been one of the best teams ever. Defensive-wise, could have been the best defense ever. We yeah. was good. We probably only lost, what, in those two seasons with Coach Harbaugh, we probably only lost, what, three or four games? Yeah, it was like Matt? three or four yeah, games. Yeah, three or four games. Y'all went on a run, and you should have won the Super Bowl. Like, we, I think the it wasn't that the Super Bowl where the lights went off at oh, halftime man. or something? Somebody, I don't know what commercial that is. When when they be like something happen and they just hit the switch, yeah, that's what it looked that's like. What it was like. That's what it looked like. It was like hold up, gang, get out of reach and hit the switch. Click. Yeah, Lights it, it like out. messed up y'all's momentum and everything. To me, it did, but no, it actually helped our momentum. Oh, After it did. That, we okay. we started catching back up right. with them. We started catching up, going and going, and it was just like, damn, like we just we we could we couldn't pull it off. Like the last three plays, seeing that ball go to Michael Crabtree, and I'm in my head, I'm like. Bro, you have a Randy Moss on the opposite side. You have a Frank Gore who got, I think he had like 15 carries for 122 and two tugs. And I'm sitting there like, yo, just run the ball. That's right. something, but Harbaugh saw something, but that was like that team. The only thing that was disappointment is we couldn't see that team complete that championship. If it was, I promise you, that would have been probably one of the greatest teams that could have been a part of that San Francisco dynasty with Jerry Rice, with um, Steve Young, with Ronnie Lott, with all of them, we could have actually been with those type yeah, of guys. Yeah. But now you have to be a real football fan to know those teams that Harbaugh had. Harbaugh had some successful teams. First three years, he was Super Bowl or three NFC, I mean, Super Bowl and three NFC championships. And that's the same Harbaugh that's at Michigan now? Yes. Okay, awesome. Yes. Um. All right, so tell me a little bit, like, do you have any kind of like favorite teammates that you've, you've had over the years? My favorite teammate was Randy Moss. Okay. Like he was a, And he, why? Like he cuz he looks like he'd be a fun fun like guy. He he was a jokester. Like he <laughs> he has the most strongest country accent that you know you from Rand City. And he would just he would just sit there he'll he'll make you laugh at anything this man would do. He was like the dude would be like lifting weights. Why am I lifting weights? Dude would get on a box and hop 40 like 40 inches off ground and you'd be like, "Bro, you got to lift weights." Dude would get inside of a pool, have a plated weight do squats underneath it, almost like what Muhammad Ali did. Well, stay underwater, do it, put it down. And he said, if he can go back and forth four times, he was in condition. If he said he couldn't do that while he's still submerged underwater, yeah, it couldn't. Like it, it, it he said, I'm so out it's of true. So it's true that he barely worked out, and he like he never stretched, right, bro? Like, like, he did, like he, I heard he just showed up, and and Randy his, was Randy. His like, uh, <laughs> his, his his workout day always came outside. To see Randy Moss, we were like, oh man, Randy just came in. Come outside, we had a quarterback out there trying to throw to Randy Moss, couldn't out throw him. Like Randy like, yo, throw it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Harbaugh said, yo, I got it, I think I could do it, I could do all this. Came back there, Harbaugh couldn't throw him. We said, Cap, come out here for a second. Cap launches it, 
all you just see this man, it's like Randy's not running fast. And he's getting, he was like, that's the first time somebody actually had to make me run since Culpepper. And I was like, oh shit. Then when he ran the 40, all us over there with clocks and everything trying to get it. This man at the age of 30, what, 38? I mean, 37, 38, can still run like a 4 3, three four, two. It was ridiculous to that's see crazy. somebody like him. And I was like, man, that was crazy. I had another old head in the Indianapolis coach, Corey Redden. He was Corey a, who? Corey Redden. He came from Texas. Okay. He was, he was what a, position he, he play? Defensive tackle. He, right. he was a defensive lineman. He was one dude, he was an old head. Like, he was the guy who you wanted to follow. If you was a young kid coming into the league, he was one guy you you wanted to be around. He was the guy that you wanted to 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 move around with because he showed you like Yo, you know that's wrong. You know that. Then the other dude was now Ryan's godfather. Not now, but Ryan's godfather, Jason Hatchett. He, Jason he's from, Hatchett. He's, he's from uh, Gina, Louisiana. He played for the Dallas Cowboys for multiple years, and he came over. He was another dude. I always went around old heads. I didn't want to be around younger dudes because I felt like they wasn't experienced enough. They wasn't seasoned enough. He was like, he basically carried me through my whole year being in Washington, just telling me how to be a father, how to be a player, how to be a friend, how to be so many different things. Me and him almost went to bat so many different times, but I knew he was right. I was a young kid being hard-headed still, but he was one dude, even to this day, to this day, me and him go back and forth with each other. Shout out to um, Walking Business, Jeffrey Simmons and all them. Congratulations on your signing, but he he was one dude I stayed with the whole time. Even when he retired, he he was my guy. I can say yo, Randy Moss, Corey Redden, and um, and Jason Hatcher. Oh, crazy thing is, he's yeah. Those were my three favorite guys to be around throughout my NFL career. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so speaking of that, like, when do you think in your career? Because I I saw it. Like there was there was a, I don't know. There was like a switch that went off. I saw from like the first two years we were training to then I would say probably that third year, it, you just kind of changed everything. You, you seem like you dialed in your your nutrition, you dialed it, you took it more serious. Was there anything that triggered that? Like, was there anything that made you commit more to your craft and like, like there was a level of maturity that I saw um, okay. and I don't really know you know, if there was outside forces that kind of did that, but am I right to say that? Like, uh, w did you feel that or? Yeah, it did because I think, what was it? One being in that damn warehouse, it was just like waking up every day and I used to, have, it was other guys I used to work with. Before you became a trainer, there was another trainer before you. And I seen what you did with guys and I'm like, yo, why can they run fast? Like, why can they do this? Why can they do that? And it was like, yo, I gotta get serious. So I had to go to uh, Dwayne Wade, Chef, uh, Chef Richard R.L. A winning How's guy. How's he? I haven't heard. I haven't seen him in a he minute. Out west, he, he's out west. He goes back and forth. Oh yeah. He, he's, he's still with Dwayne Wade. He's back and forth. He got oh, a, okay. a shitload of shows and things he do out there. But I had to get him on my team. Then I started when to go and get acupuncture people and everything. And it was just like, you really have to pay to pay to to be what you wanted to be. And then when that third, then when that year came up, it was like, yo, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna lock in. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Manny Summers to 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 become this to be this. And it was just like, every day it was like, yo, why is I'm sore? Why I can't do this? Why I can't do that? It was like, yo, I gotta change something. It's something that gotta change. And it was like, I couldn't BS with you. I couldn't be like, yo, ah, I, I, could, I could cheat this, I could cheat that. Yeah. But you you seen it, you're like, bro, you can't cheat that. Bro, you gonna have to eat that. Bro, you gonna have to do that. Even when Instagram first came out, before Instagram was, hey, yo, I'm eating this. Next you know, you hear a text message, what the, 
Hey, bro, what you eating that for? Oh, damn. Yeah, y'all be really? telling y'all on y'all selves yeah, all the time. We'll be like, damn, what you eating at this time of night for? I'll be like, damn, don't don't post that no more. Damn, he telling me this, but it was just like when when I got with you, it was just like, I can't I can't bullshit myself no more. Mm. I got somebody that's on my ass. Like, I the only way I knew I could can can continue to be successful with you, I knew I had to start bullshitting myself. I couldn't be, I couldn't, I couldn't be a kid. I couldn't be a kid no more. I couldn't yeah. be an adolescent. It was like, you yo. Could see, like, you could see so much maturity in the commitment. Because at the end of the day, for somebody like me, I can drive you, I can push you, I can scream at you, I can put you through the programming and stuff. But ultimately, it's your job to, to do it, right? Like, it's your no, job you, to commit to it. And that was something that I always admired was that your commitment to your craft and your commitment every year to show up Regardless, because I mean, literally, I thought you hated me. Like, literally, I, I was like, this guy hates my guts. There was a lot of days where I literally thought we were going to fight, like literally fight. Um, I mean, a lot of the guys, I, I almost that felt that way. So um, that was not surprising. But I also was committed to showing up no matter what, to being there for y'all and to push you and to not settle and to hold you accountable, like you said. But I loved, I loved watching you become a man, like a real man. Like it was, you know, get, you know, a wife, a, a family, like just seeing that evolution for, for me, like being a part of it and watching it, it was pretty awesome. And then also too, like watching you get into business and seeing you successful there. When also, can you share a little bit about like when that, I guess, light bulb went off for you where it was like, all right, you know, I'm successful as an NFL player, but also, you know, the rest of my life. Like, I, I don't think a lot of guys think about the longevity, the right? Yeah. They're, they're like, what are they gonna do after their work, after their career is over? And I noticed that you, you kind of identified that early on and uh, tell us a little bit about, and also I would love to hear how it's going and what, what's up with that. So, so when, when uh, take us back to like when that first, when you were like, you know what, I'm gonna make some business moves outside of the NFL? So when I think it was my fourth, going into my fourth year, I stopped like going doing banking. Then I was like, yo, I need to go find a financial advisor. Went and found him and it was like, hey Ricky, you about to have a contract year. You're probably one of the, I think I was the second, I was the second highest paid lineman in that free agency that year behind another guy that went to the Cleveland Browns. And it was like, I don't, I don't. And I seen that 30, crazy thing, I seen that 30 for 30, going broke. And I saw, I was like, hell no, nah, I can't do this. So I was just like, yo, I, when the first thing I got paid and I saw this large ass check, I'm like, yeah, I need to, I really need to do something with it. I don't want to have, I know my spending habit. You give a kid that much money who never had it before. Right. And I didn't have the, the financial literacy I had at this moment. I didn't have none of that. So I was like, yo, I can't win my financial advisor. Bro, you got to invest it. It got to be invested now. For some way, somehow, when I leave this game alone, I don't want to have to change anything about my life. I want to live as comfortably as possible. And he sat down, he we, he sat down and like, you sure you want to invest? I said, bro, get as much out of my hand as possible. Yeah. So when it comes, when I'm three, four years out of the league, I can still enjoy this. He left, he came back like a month later. He was like, yo, got Dunkin' Donuts. I'm like, Dunkin' Donuts? I'm like, ain't Krispy Kreme jumping? He was like, nah, think about this. Don't matter if a recession or anything happened, gonna drink coffee. Everybody drinks coffee. Everybody gonna drink coffee. And I was like, okay, cool, where are we gonna start? He was like, yo, they gonna give us one pre-existing building, but we are gonna do a contract that can give us out to 30 locations. Oh, wow. So he was like, but here the risk is, we can't lose at any one of these if we don't perfect this 
real good. Yeah. And I didn't really know a franchise model. I just, I would see like, yo, there's one building here. Yeah, maybe another one down the street. But when it did, I was just like, yo, I trust you, bro. Like, go ahead, do what you got to do. But I also want to learn while you're doing it. So I don't want to have to do this anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't really want to have to play football. Or like, you hear people say, you tell your ACL, what happened if you can't play football no right. more? Like, what life after football is. So when he did it, he was like, yo, let's go. First year, we we did the first one and we built out another two. So the three gone, it was like, okay, cool. We didn't start making money until we got to 10 locations. Really? And and we was like, yo, I said, we gotta wait this long. He was like, bro, this is a long-term game. You want long-term money? You gotta play the long game. I love it was that. just I love like, it. damn, we gotta wait for 10 buildings. So while I was doing that, I was just trying to learn the ins and out, like, Yo, tell me about revenue sharing. Tell me about like IPOs. Tell me about, tell me every way this company can actually make money. Yeah. In every, in every way. So I can know, I can go somewhere and like, yo, let me go sit down. Let me go on YouTube. Let me go somewhere and let me learn this. You also, it, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you get your MBA or something? You did something, right? I went to, uh, I went to Harvard Business, I yeah. mean, Harvard School of Business. I did, I did time there to learn. That also helped me. Guys, if you ever get a chance in the NFL, NBA, whatever sport you're in, whenever they offer you a Harvard Business School uh, way to get there, go there. They have, it got a teacher that I forgot her name. She's a lady, she was wonderful. She gave us so many, uh, she gave us so many papers. I was just like, yo, we got into the class. I was nervous as hell. She was like, oh, I'm gonna put you in the class. Okay, cool. You go in the class with people that, it's like a one in a billion chance that you actually get accepted in Harvard School of right. Business. And you're sitting in the classroom it's like multiple boards moving and this and that. And she writing, I'm like, oh shit, this shit got real. Like, this is really the other side of business. But you learned a lot. Like, I did. Like, like, you walked away like with a lot of wisdom and knowledge from oh, that. Oh no, I did. I seen, I seen other people, I saw other players do the same thing. And I was yeah, like- Yeah, Sydney, Sydney Rice was there. Yeah. Like he, he uh, was one of my guys and he, he told me about it, so. So it was, that, that was, that was a life changing experience. But as we kept going, I was like, yo, I don't want to only do this play. I want to do other things. I want to do real estate. I want to do commercial real estate. I want to do cannabis. I want anything that can make me money that can expand who I was. I wanted to put my hand in there. But the biggest thing was the athletes need to pay attention to. Don't leave everything in their hand. You also learn it too. You right. got to learn financial literacy. Yep. It's too many. If we would have had the, the knowledge of things we see now back then, oh man, I, I would have been, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not appreciative where I'm at. But if we'd have had the, the the way YouTube, the way social media, the way now you see platform, the way you see like earn your leisure, that's one show I live and die by. You hear like Market Monday, all these type of Wait, business. Wait, go back. Things. What earn your leisure? Is earn your like, leisure. What's that on? That's on. It's on YouTube. It's, it's yeah. two guys. One named Rashad. I forgot what his brother name. Earn your leisure. Earn your I gotta leisure. Check that out. And they have so many different shows. They're doing tours and stuff. And I'm like, yo, I'm gonna learn this. I gotta right. learn this. I didn't know nothing about stock market. I didn't know anything, but when I started listening to him, I'm like, yo, let me go touch the real estate. Let me go take, uh, not commercial, but residential real estate. Let me go do this, let me go do that. Once it started changing, while I was playing football, I was like, uh, why I'm doing this anymore? <laughs> like, yeah. I, it, I still love football, yeah. but it was just like, funny story, Green Bay Packers. Always love to say this story. Green Bay Packers cut me one week and they let it go about one full week. So I was like, okay, cool, chill, I kick it. They still guarantee me a deal. When it came back, the current deal I had was guaranteed. Now you had to pay me another deal. Right. So I'm getting two paychecks. I was like, yo, you already know what I'm about to do with it, right? I'm finna go open up another local Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> somewhere. And, and the funny thing was, they, they was mad, but they were shocked because they're not used to athletes saying, 
yo, you finna go, you finna go and invest. I was like, bro, once it got to year seven to eight, I didn't want money anymore. It was like, yo, I'm comfortable, my wife good, my son good. Right. All I want to do is invest as a, much as I possibly can. I mean, talk a little bit about that, because that's to me, that's very enlightened. It's very smart. And the younger generation needs to hear it because I I mean, let, let's face it. Like most people, they get a check like that. What are they going to do? They're going to go buy you, a fancy car. They're going to go get right. it to some chick. They're going to they're going to they're they're do splurge. something yeah. that's not good. So where do you think the discipline and the knowledge came from of why you you took that path? Because that that's very wise. Like it's it's the right decision. I think a lot of people can learn from that. Because I saw I saw so many old heads in the NFL that been in the league for so long. You would just see them walk around with like shorts and all this. We're guys walking around with fancy suits, shoes, jewelry and all. And I'm like, why all these dudes are 13, 14 years walking around here with shirts, just t-shirts and shorts and yeah. thong slides on? I'm like, yo, what is it? They be like, you want to impress somebody. They already know what you, you're worth. Why you want to go out and, and Justin Smith, one dude, dude drove a BMW, seven, I think it was 750. He drove that damn thing like a Chevy. <laughs> he didn't care for it. I'm like, damn, why he treating the car like this? Went to his house one day. I was like, oh, 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 I get it. Dude, you walk on this man basketball court, you can see down in San Jose. And I was like, oh, snap. He was like, oh, man, Rick, I don't care about this. I own like two, like, I think he said at once he owned like 150 acres in Missouri. So wow. I'm like, at first, I was like, it's land. Like, what that supposed to mean? He's like, you understand? He's like, when you, you know those days you used to take those trips up Florida and you see all that land and look boring to you? He said, it's going to make sense. And then when he did, I was like, this dude here don't walk around with nothing expensive. Like when I started looking at a lot of old heads, Corey Redden, same thing. Jason Hatcher, same thing. I'm like, why wow, these dudes don't wear nothing fancy? And then when you go see their home, you go see their portfolio, you go, I like, I get it now. Right, N- right. N- now I get it. Don't get me wrong. They always say, yo, splurge a little bit. Take care of yourself because yeah. you earn it. But after that, you need to put almost down to 75 to 80% of your money inside investments and let it build because I didn't understand long-term, I didn't understand the long-term game. When right. I started, people started making me understand that. They were like, bro, you're making money. You're not making money for you. You're making money for your son. You're making money for that next person. You're making important. Now when they start speaking generational wealth, that was something we never used to hear. Like, what's, what's generational wealth? Right. So when dudes started putting me on, they were like, yo, go look at the trust of John Rockefeller. You'll find out why he 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 funded what it is nine generations mm-hmm. of his family, bro. The dude got a trust that's almost like four billion dollars. That's known to person, so you can only imagine. Right. So when dudes started like, yo, go. Then the biggest thing is I used to always ask play. You used to tell us what's the last book you read. Mm. So I will always go to dudes, yo, what's the last book you read? Man, I read magazines. I read this. <laughs> no, 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 no. Dudes would be like, yo, what is the last book you read? Go read this book. I'd be like, okay, cool. You had so many damn books. I like, dude, I would just go through my iPhone all day. It was like, you still got to catch up. I haven't given you a lot. I've, I just uh, gave my whole staff a bunch of new ones. So, yeah. One, one show, I one book I remember, Shoot Dog. Yeah. Do you know they just came out with Air? You know the movie? That's the movie, right? Did you see that's it? it I haven't seen it. I all can, right. I definitely got to go see the movie. So that's. Essentially, it's the it's the Jordan version of what's in Shoe Dog. So Shoe Dog is the entire Nike story. And then this is the story of when they signed Jordan and what that did for the company. And it's, it's fascinating. I mean, uh, I took the whole staff to go see it. See, oh, and man. yeah, I mean, Shoe Dog for me is one of the most inspirational books and, and also just life, like 
If you're building a brand, like you should that's read Shoe Dog. That's a must. That's a because must. Because it, it also, you know, people see Nike where Nike and Jordan are today. Day, yeah. And they don't realize how many years and how many sacrifices and how many failures, excuse me, how many failures and obstacles they had to overcome in the beginning. And I look back at like everything that I went through to get to where I am today. And I'm still, I still got a long way to go, but, but it, nothing actually, I just heard this the other day. Um, who was it? Uh, Je- uh, Jess, Jess Etzler. Um, anyways, he's like a, a, a entrepreneur guy. And he just said that, he said it takes eight years minimum to build a brand, like eight years. Like you, you know, people think they come up with a logo or they come up with a something and then, you know, poof, you know, all of a sudden they're making money. Like it doesn't work like that. And you have to know how to pivot. You have to know how to adjust. You have to know how to overcome. You have to know how to raise money. You have to know how to make money. You have to know how to build relationships. There's so many things so, that you have yeah. to do. And, um, that for me, I loved, absolutely loved your, your success in business and seeing what you did with Dunkin' Donuts. Like that was like really cool. So outside of Dunkin', you, you mentioned some other things, anything that uh, you're doing now that you're enjoying and, and that's different? Have you added to your portfolio? Buying real estate, buying okay. commercial real estate. I got a guy, Eddie Brown from the Browns Group. He started educating me when I finally got out of the league. He was like, yo, start looking at these houses. Stop. Even before the pandemic, it makes me want to knock my head against the wall. And he was like, yo, go buy this house. Go do this. And then when the pandemic happened, and everybody remember that bubble went up. Yep. Houses was just ridiculous insane, amount. Insane. And I would just hit myself upside the head. I'm like, yo, I should have did this. But now you see me, I want that house. I want this house. I want that house. But now I'm learning even like the, how, to, how to leverage it, how to make it a real estate company. Like, how to make things run for itself, like how to make a turnkey operation go. And it was just like, yo, I understand now when I kept reading books, I figured out how so many billionaires became. I didn't, un- I didn't realize they used real estate yeah. to leverage, then go forward. Even like, even Trump, I started paying attention to what he did. And I was like, I said, why do you dudes use real estate? Yeah. So now I'm really, I'm now I'm in residential real estate trying to get as many homes as I possibly can before BlackRock do what it need to do, before JP do what it need to do. People don't understand, you need to start owning something now because the economy is changing. Right. And at some given point, they're gonna make sure you can't own nothing. Mm. Like people don't understand, BlackRock just raised $38.4 billion to buy home. JP Morgan just, uh, JP Morgan just uh, raised uh, Jamie Dimon, just raised $4 billion. They went to Atlanta, Georgia. They bought 25% of the homes that are $450,000, they bought 25% really? of them. You wow. gotta realize they're like, dude, they, they- And they're, so they're taking these homes and they're renting them that's to it. people? Not even, they're, and they're, they're not even allowing people to own the homes. Yeah. That's the point. So yeah. now everybody gotta understand that game used to play at the house called Monopoly. Right. Now you, you're you seeing it in front of you now. Like they're, yeah. they're you're getting to a point like, bro, like the dollar ain't stretching too far no, far no more. Assets are, are the thing now. Rolex, gold, houses, real estate, like there's so many things that I'm realizing now, oh shit, I could touch all this now. Mm-hmm. I want more stuff touching. I don't even care for cash no more because now it's the asset that's costing more. You see what's going on with all other countries and stuff, but if this is where people become billionaires. It's now right now to transfer of wealth. If you have the money to play with, go start buying assets, go start buying, ro- I used to buy, I used to go and buy Rolexes. People would be looking at, bro, you got money. It ain't what you thinking. I don't care for the money. The market's gonna keep going up. Rolex right. is gonna keep it going up. It holds its value. It holds its value. Like right. it's, it's not gonna drop. People, like they're telling you on TV, 
Oh, don't buy gold. You crazy. That's the only sector in the stock market that never saw zero. Right. Gold did not fall. You got to remember, we got took off the gold exchange dollar at one point because we couldn't uphold the value of it. Mm -hmm. Bro, stockpile that shit. You see, I'm doing what countries are doing. I'm paying attention to what Russia's doing, what China's doing, what South America, I mean, uh, South Africa's doing. Let's start, if, if we want to start gaining fortunes and start gaining wealth right now, is it you can't tell me this is going to be a recession and we still making billionaires how are we still making billionaires right. during recessions like that makes no sense so what's the difference between us us and them doing it we need to we need we need the financial literacy that's right. the biggest thing for athletes for anybody in general bro you got to get in the game you better hurry up and get in the game because when they lock that door now you're going to become a renter. Now you're going to be trying to figure out how to earn another dollar. Now you're always going to be a worker, not an owner. Right. Owners should always be, even if you're a worker right now, start putting those dollars up. Start going in those, those, those S&P index. Go start going in, start getting trust funds. Start going to get whole life policy plans and start overfunding them damn thing. Mm -hmm. So now when that door do lock or whenever it does happen, you're in position now, your family won't, your family won't have to, Man, how are we gonna get the next dollar? How are we gonna do this? How are we gonna do that? But going into that financial realm, coming from football, like, I get it. Guys wanna buy diamonds, you wanna buy all of this stuff. Realize this, when you buy that car and you roll off that dealership, brother, you lost 20, 30%. Right. It's losing value. When you buy that custom-made chain that got your name on it, bro, nobody is <laughs> going to- You can't sell it. You can't <laughs> sell it. So if you wanna floss and all that, good, be my guest. It's one guy I look at, Nipsey Hussle. I used to always wonder why he used to walk around with a straight gold chain. They were like, bro, he could take he could take all them chains off and buy a house right now. Right. And I was like, oh. There wasn't diamond, it wasn't nothing. It was just straight gold. This man had like almost $300,000 on his neck. And he could just take it off. Yo, let me go cop a house. Let me go yeah. do this and this. So even with him, he was one of my motivations. I, I paid attention to him all the way from the beginning to, to God bless his soul, he passed away, but I still continue the marathon yeah. that did he you, gave uh, us. Did you read Contagious? Yeah. Oh. The book, Contagious? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That was one of his favorite books. And, and, I, I, and I, I, loved, I loved that book. I didn't realize so, that you really could sell a Philly cheesesteak for $100? I know, right? Like, right? Yeah. So I understand, like, when I hear, like, restaurants out here, you got dudes with, I think, the 24-care gold steak. Right. And... And I'll be like, yo, that's a contagious book. Yeah. People going in there buying and eating it, but you're not understanding where they got this right. th this from. So, right, reading is reading is is big. Getting education is big. I don't care if people think you gotta be studious. No, you don't, bro. Open up a book. Get around somebody that you see going down the path and tell them, like, yo, I don't wanna become irritating, but what's the book you read? What do I need to pay attention to? Yeah. Who I need to listen to? What podcast? We got a shitload of podcasts out here. But finding one that's tailor-made to you and stick with that person. It's it's so many inspirations out here that's telling you how to give money. Don't listen to those people that be like, yo, open up an LLC, go get funding, go do this, man. It's so many people that's doing that, it doesn't make sense. You need to know the process. Find somebody that's gonna take you from the bottom of the mountain to the top. Cause always remember when you're at the top of the mountain, those rules you learned at the bottom, you won't you won't hear them no more. Right, right. And, and, and that's the foundation, but it's, the Bezos letters talks about that. So, I, have you read that one? Bezo, one? The Bezos letters. No, I guess no. Nah, I'm gonna write that down. So the Bezos letters talks about like once you've had success over a decade, then you need to go back to how you started and remind yourself of what you did in the beginning to get you 
to, to move even further. Because a lot of times you get stagnant when, when you've been doing something for so long, you forget what got you there. Right. And then you become stagnant or complacent and then you can lose it. Like, because there is no such thing as winning in business or winning in life. It's an infinite game. It's, a, it's, it's every single day. It's a commitment to yourself and to everybody around you every single day. And that that's with your business, with your finances, with your attitude, with everything. Everything's a commitment to becoming a better version of yourself. And it, so sometimes you got to go back and have that perspective of, okay, I did these things to get to where I am today. And now I'm going to take these things and apply them again to go further, you know? Exactly. So that's why I walk around with a bunch of notebooks. Like I got one of my notepads with me. Now yeah. I have like five subject binders that has number of information. I love one, one book that I will everybody to go get right now. He's hot, not 50 cents, but Curtis Jackson. I think it's, I don't know if it's 50, it's 50, 50 laws of power. He tell like he tells you everything when you. Are you look talking at, about uh, Fifty Cent's book? Yeah, which one? Oh yeah, that? I didn't know he, 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 he got a fifty. He got a fifty. He got a fifty law. Then he has one that has Curtis Jackson. Okay. And when you read that, like, bro, people don't understand. Like, he's not a rapper anymore. This man has so no, many. He's sit so smart. Too, like, yo, yeah. like he got so many sitcoms. Yeah. On TV, ABC, CBS, like number like, one. Like, Power was literally number one, one for years. Everybody. And people, now he's got spinoffs and all this other stuff. Like. And, yeah. and, and the biggest thing is everybody need to see now, like, I don't look at it at the show no more. Like, damn, how he doing it? Like, what like what mindset that he has? Like, he become obsessive. Like, this dude got a cognac brand now in business, like in stadiums and stuff. And I'm like, how's this dude doing it? When I got his book, and the best thing is, I would tell everybody, get in the audio because you get to hear him. He's the author. Oh, yeah? So okay. the, if you followed him from the Get Rich, I mean, Get Rich or Die Trying, or even before that with Massacre, right. and you listen to him, now you can see, all right, this why he made this move. This why he made this move. This why he walked away from Shady Records and now he got he got Green Life Production. It's a reason why he's doing it. He just bought a whole damn studio that's I think 900,000 square feet just to start producing all his stuff. Oh, wow. So now it's like, yo. So he's doing uh, like Tyler Perry stuff now. <laughs> or, hey, but he, but Tyler. Where, do you know where he, he put his um studio i don't know see yeah. when i saw it on his instagram I, I didn't i didn't i didn't know where he put it but when i saw him doing i'm like yo i i, I gotta i gotta be behind this dude i gotta follow yeah. him not 50 cents but curtis jackson right exactly the the the, the mobile now yeah and he, he he's making moves so i find everybody who's doing something and i try to go back I, this is one thing somebody told me they say yo find a millionaire or billionaire you admire and go back and study everything about him mm -hmm. kobe bryant god bless his soul I didn't know body armor. Like I went through the whole thing of body armor when his wife sold it like 400 million. So you know, did you hear the story behind that? Uh-uh. All right, so you know I'm in the beverage game now, so so I know all about this. <laughs> um, so he went up to the, uh, excuse me, the founder of body armor went up to him and said, and said, hey, I got this new hydration drink, I'm coming out. Um, I would love for you to be a part of it. And so Kobe goes, um, what are our chances? And the guy was like, hey, man, listen, we're going up against Powerade, Gatorade, you know, all these hydration drinks, coconut water, all this stuff. He goes, it's a really tough business. He goes, I, I would give us a 1% chance to make it. And Kobe goes, I like those uh, odds. Here's $4 million. So Kobe invested $4 million at the time. And then I'm not sure the, the, the time frame, but like you said, uh, rest in peace. God bless. I mean, Kobe was like a hero to all of us. And yes. uh, uh, his wife 
got a check for over $458 million from that $4 million investment um, because of what they did with the company. The company sold for $8.4 billion uh, to with Body Armor, to Coke or Pepsi. Co Coke, Coke, right? Coca-Cola yeah. only, Coca yeah. only every damn thing. Yeah. So. so, and uh, Smartwater, same, very similar with, uh, with Curtis Jackson. So Smartwater gave him an oh, equity yeah. deal. Glass and house, yeah. when they sold to uh, Coke also, uh, they sold for um, $4.2 billion or something like that. And uh, Curtis made like $400 million from that too. And that's what, yeah. and that's crazy. So, yeah, the beverage game is, uh, is it, it's a very tough business, but um, it, the scalability is, is there. Like it, it is very possible to, you know, you look at companies like Liquid Death that in three years, they, they, they have a billion oh. dollar evaluation. So I identified that um, during the pandemic, you know, people always came up to me and they were like, you know, how do I look like you? How do I, how do I have that physique? How do I stay in shape? And I was all, and my first answer every single time was how much water do you drink? And remember, I used to ask you that all the time, like yeah. how much water do you drink? And most people are like, oh, you know, two glasses a day or something like that. And ultimately our bodies are 76, 78% water. Literally 75% of Americans are dehydrated. No one drinks enough water. And now everything is about the latest hydration drink, the latest caffeinated drink, the super coffees. The, there's so many alternatives that we forgot about the basics. And so I wanted to develop a water that was actually going to hydrate you and actually going to help you live healthier. Right. And then I wanted to do it in a cool aluminum sustainable can you know, and, and, and so that you feel cool drinking it. So we, it took us about a year and a half to develop it. Um, we hired, you know, water sommeliers. We went through a lot of extensive taste testing and ultimately we came up with the NDO H2O uh, ultra premium water. And we're gonna be the official premium water of the Miami Heat and the Kaseya Center July 1st. Oh man, congratulations, so, yeah. that's big, yeah. man. So, um, it, things are things are going really well with it. So it's yeah. going we'll, in the right direction. We'll talk more about that offline. <laughs> so, well, um, all right. I want to wrap up because I I know class is about to start. But uh, you you dropped a lot of gems today. But I want to speak a little bit to the youth out there. You know, because I think you're somebody that people can really look up to. Um, I look up to you, and I'm I'm an old head. But I think there's a lot of young guys out there that have similar dreams that you know, came from similar neighborhoods and, and seeing you as successful as you are and as, as just, just what you've built for yourself and for your family and kind of changing that narrative, right. you know, because you're the first, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the first in your family to really break out right. and do something. And, and you are literally changing your generation. You, you are setting a new legacy for your, for your family name. And so just, Leave us with something that you feel like the youth needs to hear. People that that um, follow you, that believe in you, and and that you that look up to you. You know, guys. From the time I was here, you guys got the resources. Use them. Always remember that we don't have to be athletes, bro. We do not have to be football players. We don't have to be basketball players. The only way out is not only being athletics. You have it, bro. We have, we have engineers, we have so many other ways, we have bankers, we have so many things out there. Go use your resource. Find that person, like I said, 
that's going in the direction that you want. I understand your friends are gonna tell you, oh, you lame, you this and that and this. Believe me, in a few years, they won't be saying the same thing. Remember, man, Elon Musk did not start in this position. Steve Jobs did not start in his position. Bill Gates, all of them had to start from somewhere. They had to model, they had to, uh, they had to follow someone. You guys have so much resources, it don't make no sense. I was still on the computer all day if I had the opportunity to. Always remember, you don't have to be an athlete to get out of your position. You gotta be dedicated. You have to, like you said, you have to be committed to whatever you want to do. You have to love it. You have to be obsessive with it. This is what you wanna do. You wanna come up with a clothing brand? You better be obsessive with it. You wanna come up with a drink? You better be obsessive with it. I don't care, it's gonna be distractions. That's a part of life. It's gonna have distractions to see if you really about what you're talking about. There's so many different things out here that we can possibly become. The streets, hey man, it happens, it happens, but bro, the streets ain't the only way. And bouncing a basketball or throwing a football or being that, it's not the only way out. The other, it's other, so many other different ways out. Be curious of how this building is standing. Be curious of how this building is running. Be curious how people purchase that real estate out there. Be curious how planes fly. It's so many different avenues and ways that we can start putting ourselves in position. Like just talking about generational wealth. Think about yourself right now, kid. You could be 12, 13, 14. Remember, it starts now. Once you make that commitment to what you want to do, nothing should be able to stop you at all, bro. You should not want nothing to stop you until you get to your goal. And when you hit that goal, you sit down, you rewrite it again, and you go for the next goal. But bouncing a basketball, throwing a football, doing that is not our only way out of the streets. There's many other ways to do it. Remember, I don't want you in jail. I don't want you dead. Your mom and dad, wants to see you succeed by any means necessary. And there's so many routes that you can do. I'm telling you, you guys got the resources, you guys got the podcast, you guys got people telling every which way and how to do it, how to be successful, how to make money, how to make it go long-term, everything. Just always remember, bro, sky the limits, man. It's so many ways out here that I want you to go and do the research. Stop asking people. You have to be self-efficient. That's one thing I had to learn. You gotta become self-efficient. You got to understand, every, nobody's gonna help you in this life. You gotta help self first before anybody else. The only reason people helped me once I walked out of the NFL, they had to see me help myself first. Then when they seen that, they was willing to throw me gym. They was willing to throw me nuggets. They was willing to bring me in circles that I would never think I would be a part of. But now that I am, I feel, I feel like, yo, this is my lane. This is where the, Find your lane, stay in that lane, work that lane until you get to where you're going. Until your mommy, your daddy, your family name is known like the five families that run in this world. Your goal should be your your goal should be saying your name should be a part of the Mendici. Your name should be part of the Rockefeller. Your name should be part of the Ross family members. A lot of people's not used to hearing that. You need to be part of the Vanderbilt. That's your name. You're, you don't do it for your first you do it for your last. Allow your name to be as value and the biggest asset that you ever owned in your life. And I promise you, I promise you, everything else will be the way you want it to go.